2: caught on camera. I'm Jason Horton. I'm Rebecca Lieb. And this is Ghost Town.
3: If you look past the lush trees, manicured grass and fence, into the large windows of Bud and Melanie Billings' sprawling Pensacola home, you'd think, wow, these people have made it, and in many ways they had. Bird called Bud Billings, 66, and his wife Melanie, 43, were local celebrities of sorts, successful business people who, along with their children from their first marriages, had adopted 13 yes, 13 special needs children as their own. But on July 9, 2009, everything would change. The investigation into this notorious couple's death would include all kinds of strange themes, including obsession, real estate agents, strip clubs, MySpace, even ninjas. Today, we're talking about the bizarre 2009 murder of Bud and Melanie Billings. Bird, Bud Billings, and his wife, Melanie Billings, were truly Pensacola's modern-day Brady Bunch. Their meeting was, on the surface, very cute— Bud Billings, who ran many successful companies, met 23-year-old Melanie Brock on Christmas Eve in 1991 through mutual friends. Both had known heartache and struggle. Melanie had had two kids, Ashley and Nikki, as a teenager, and was making ends meet by serving and bartending in Pensacola. Melanie's younger daughter, Nikki, was diagnosed with autism and cerebral palsy. Bud also had two kids, Michael and Melissa, from his first marriage. He then adopted a son from that marriage, John who choked to death in 1995. Police ruled the death a suicide, but Bud was convinced it was an accident. After his divorce in 1986, Bud adopted another son, Justin, with his ex, Cindy Reeves. Reeves and Bud were estranged for many years before their eventual divorce. So the two divorcees, Bud and Melanie, who, despite their 23-year age difference, had a lot in common. The two instantly hit it off and got married in 1993. They blended their families in a large home they built at 9717 Mobile Highway, Pensacola, Florida, paid for by Melanie Billings' new job, managing a used car lot, and Bird Billings' financial services company called Worldco. The nine bedroom mansion was set back from the road, made near invisible by trees and a high wooden fence, built in a low income area of small homes and trailers. In the mid 90s, Melanie's daughter Nikki began to have complications and the couple began considering adopting a child with special needs as her companion. The Billings family regularly attended church and were outspoken about family and God being the most important values, and they backed that ideology up. Between 1993 and 2006, the Billings adopted 13 children, Adriana, Jacob, Matthew, Ricky, Tori, Nicholas, Katie, Bailey, Ethan, and Emma. Six of their adopted children had Down syndrome, And others had parents who were drug users or sexually abused them. In a 2005 Pensacola News Journal profile, the couple said they didn't set out to adopt so many children. It just happened, said Bud. I just wanted to give them a better life, said Melanie. And the kids did have what seemed to be a pretty good life. The Billings gave their kids all new clothes, trips to Disney World. The older children had all their own rooms in their giant house, which was filled with toys and had a swimming pool and outdoor yard for the kids to enjoy. And the community took notice. By 2009, Bud and Melanie were local celebrities, appearing on morning shows and fundraisers, telling their story of adoption and the day-to-day of their lives. Melanie and Bud were also active on MySpace, sharing photos, parenting tips, and Bible quotes that served as a way to expand their reach and maintain a burgeoning new online community. And then, on July 9, 2009, everything changed. The night itself was humid and quiet, a normal summer evening in rural Florida. Nine of the Billings' children were at home at the time, and Melanie had just bathed two of her daughters and began to prepare dinner while Bud watched TV in the living room. By 7 p.m., the Billings' kids were put to bed and sound asleep. Around 8.30 p.m., police received a 911 call. A woman was screaming that one of the neighbor's children had rushed into her house. They said that both of their parents were dead. When the neighbor learned what was happening, they ran over and entered the house through the laundry room door, which had been kicked in. Inside, they found Bud Billings in the master bedroom and Melanie in the hallway outside the bedroom. Police rushed out to the address and entered the Billings home. And sure enough, they found the bodies of Bud and Melanie Billings. Both had six gunshot wounds, two to their heads at point-blank range. Bud was dressed in blue jean shorts with no shirt. Melanie was lying in a hallway that led out to the master bedroom toward a nearby study face-up. Investigators were stunned at the bloody crime scene. They found dozens of bullet holes throughout the living room and bedroom and a trail of blood along the living room floor. Ten-year-old Jake, who was put to bed in his parents' bedroom an hour before, had witnessed the entire ordeal. Jake, who wasn't able to speak, signed to investigators that two, quote, bad men were wearing masks that covered their faces and said, quote, you're going to die one, two, three. Then he heard, quote, no way. Investigators also found a picture of Melanie's now deceased second daughter, Nikki, underneath her leg, Bud had been shot in the back of his right and left legs. He had been shot twice in the back of the head with exit wounds in the forehead and above his left eye. He was also shot twice in the front of the face on the right and left sides. Melanie Billings was shot twice in the chest. Her white Elton John shirt was covered with blood. She was also shot three times in the face and head. The bullet wounds were likely made with a nine millimeter pistol, police surmised. By the looks of the crime scene, this clearly was not some act of passion. It looked like a professional hit, a premeditated one. It was efficient, methodical. The question was, who would want the Billings killed? During the initial casing of the house, the Billings' eldest son, Justin, directed police to their camera room, a large room with camera views of nearly every inch of the Billings' large house, front yard and backyard. The dozens of surveillance cameras recorded 24-7, high-quality footage that was saved and archived. For what? Investigators didn't know. The Billings' obsession with security was evident. But why? It made the police wonder just what sort of enemies the Billings must have had to build such an ominously comprehensive system. And then the police examined the footage, playing back what had occurred the last few hours. It was all there. The assailants approach, break-in and killing. All in graphic detail. All occurring in a chillingly efficient span of less than 10 minutes. First, a large red van quietly pulled into their driveway. Three men wearing masks and ninja costumes exited the car and entered the front door, while another stayed in the van. Two more individuals, also in masks and ninja gear, emerged from the woods and entered a side door. Still another person stayed behind in an SUV, not seen on camera. In total, five intruders stormed the Billings home in a carefully coordinated attack. Inside, the cameras continued to tell the story. Melanie and Bud were watching television and completely caught off guard when the intruders entered and sprayed the room with bullets. Wounded and bleeding profusely, the couple was then forced to the ground and dragged into their bedroom. The children in the house heard a commotion and rushed to find their parents. Jake awakens in the bedroom just in time to witness Bud and Melanie fighting a losing battle for their lives. Despite begging for mercy, the gunman shoots them each at point-blank range. After these gunshots, the children run to get help. Despite cameras everywhere, the assailants were disguised in ninja costumes. It fed into the idea that they knew what they were doing, and also knew that they had to disguise themselves. Investigators were at a standstill as to who these people might be. But there was one big clue. The minivan. More after the break.
1: You can live out your chef dreams.
2: Hi, hello. How are you? Hello.
3: Hello. It's
2: Thanksgiving Ooh, week.
3: Yes. Are you ready to eat more? Are you down to consume? Um,
2: yeah, I'll give it a shot.
3: We'll try. You'll Try it? Yeah,
2: for it? you I will. Okay, thank you. And for anyone kind, listening, kind. I will I'll give it a shot. We mm-hmm. want to say hello to anyone who's listening, supporting the show, spreading Absolutely. the good word.
3: It's uh it's good holiday times. It's good holiday cheer if people might like the podcast, say something. Yeah. If you see something, you know, say something.
2: And if you're like, what am I thankful for this year? Mm-hmm. Um, I can't think of anything. I guess I'll just say Ghost Town. <laughs> just in a just I in a bind.
3: Truly cannot think of one single fucking thing. Ghost Town.
2: We gotta say a big old <laughs> thanks to our government.
3: We must. It's the, our job.
2: The mayors
3: mm-hmm.
2: having a friendsgiving.
3: <laughs> All together now.
2: Yeah, having a beautiful, a, a beautiful friendsgiving. What a
3: spread, you guys!
2: And you can replace any of these with your vegan or vegetarian options.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Bringing a big old bucket of French fries, a
3: bagel bucket of French no, fries, no, a big
2: old bucket of French fries. <laughs>
3: okay.
2: Traditional fries Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving, cool, yeah, cool,
3: cool, cool. very good.
2: Sorry, <laughs> don't mean to turn your idea of Thanksgiving, <laughs> your traditional
3: sauces. What are we talking here? What is this? Just the fries. Okay.
2: Stephen Bates. Hello. And the classic big old bucket of M&M's. <laughs>
3: buckets? Stop bringing eh. buckets to things. Uh, sorry. I didn't mean that. Oh. I didn't mean Next that. Next time you
2: see a bucket of chicken, you, you know, you'd know you be like, no, <laughs> no thank you. It's in away. a bucket.
3: Bucket away. You guys are our lifeline. I shouldn't say anything. A
2: big old bucket of holiday-themed <laughs> M Ms. Okay, yeah, no, you I'm, happy? I'm, I'm receptive to it. I'm Christmas receptive. colors. Great, great. Purple and purple.
3: <laughs> Royal purple, purple and regular.
2: Cat ell. Hello. And I guess this is your grandparents' Thanksgiving, <laughs> wow. bringing a big old holiday Les Paul guitar
3: <laughs> you in a bucket.
2: Is <laughs> a bucket hat. Got it. Charlie Gilbert. Hello. And, because we got to eat something, something <laughs> with protein.
3: Okay, very good, very good. An
2: extra large, big old, on sale, hungry man dinner, <laughs> Ashley Matson.
3: Hello, this is going to be great Thanksgiving, I can feel it, I can feel it.
2: And our mayor. Of course. The one who hosts the whole dang thing. Just
3: tie this meal together.
2: In her cloud city, <laughs> in which she reigns in this mm-hmm. particular... mm mm-hmm. Scenario I've created.
3: <laughs> it's beautiful. Alien Avian Noble.
2: Noble. So if you want no ads, no chit chat, you just want the good stuff or mm-hmm. the mediocre stuff, yeah, head on over to Patreon.com slash Ghost Town Pod. I want to read two quick reviews. Excellent. Do you want? I'm going to start with the good one. Normally I wouldn't do that.
3: No, I. I mean, I. I think I need. Usually I need the good one at the end to keep morale up. No, this but one. I'm this, open the, to whatever you're this is a good bad one. Out. Okay. Okay.
2: Spooky-ish and worth a follow, five stars. Hmm. Found this well-done podcast to help me through the lonely graveyard shifts. They discuss a lot of subjects done on other spooky podcasts, but they do it very well. Thanks. I'm enjoying so far. Kingman BG from the USN Day. Here's the one. Mm -hmm. I love it. Inappropriate. One star. (laughs) Warning. Recreational drug use condoned in this podcast. That's from... Cracked shell 33 from Australia.
3: Wow. Whoa. I'll get my brother on top of that one immediately. Yeah. That's a personal slight against him. Wow. (laughs) And they're not wrong. They're not wrong.
2: But I mean, is it when I casually mention like aspirin and diet coke? Like I'm a pretty square, or like CBD? Do I, we have a policy
3: on that? I don't know. I mean, I I I do enjoy drugs. That's right. something that I have, I believe, I've said at some point. But I don't even think we talk about that in the context, especially not of our content. No,
2: I don't know where that's, that's kind of not... coming from. Where it's like a focus, or we like take a big stance except for no. you know maybe like mass incarceration or, or or things of that note but
3: yeah we're not like hey these people were doing drugs and we think that's great you know that's not how it works really
2: you ever watch like a, a i don't know a, sh- a show and they give you a warning warning cigarette smoking <laughs> cursing violence mm-hmm. whatever and you're like oh no nah, i'm not gonna watch this movie now because it has all that cool stuff in yeah it.
3: turn it off
2: so it's Probably helpful if anything. Yeah. Warning, these two rock.
3: <laughs> hooked. Inappropriately on. cool. Right? I'm, I'm and young. hooked Very on young.
2: migraine prescription <laughs> medicine. Mm. My Imatrex baby. Ooh, oh, that's great. It's a party drug. I had
3: coffee at 5 p.m. Uh-oh. How does that sound?
2: So those are two reviews. But if yeah. you haven't left if you have left a review, thank you. If you haven't yet, subscribe, rate anywhere you are. It all helps.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And again, a lot of the times we disagree with these reviews. A lot of the times we agree with them. Yeah. I would agree with both of these reviews. Sure, We're on your side.
2: And we're thankful for the reviews and we're thankful for you.
3: That's right. Okay. Back to Florida. Yeah. Okay. Let me take a deep breath. So after the carefully orchestrated break in and subsequent murder of Bud and Melanie Billings, investigators focused on the red minivan. Finding the owners of the vehicle was likely their best chance at catching the killers. Crime scene technicians took meticulous photographs of the tire tracks on the lawn and the driveway. Still, there was no discernible tire tread patterns for the investigation to follow. Justin Billings also informed investigators of two other important features of their compound. Two safes, one consisting of children's medication and paperwork, the other $164,000. Oddly enough, the safe with the medication was missing. The safe with the money remained in the house, untouched. Police were certain attackers made a mistake, that robbing the well-to-do Billings was at least part of the motive, and the perpetrators took the wrong safe, or didn't realize that they were two to begin with. Meanwhile, the people of Pensacola were shocked at the horrific violence happening in their own backyard. Having followed the Billings story through their vast, diaristic MySpace presence, the public rallied around Ashley, the Billings' eldest daughter, who adopted her orphaned brothers and sisters. Still, Ashley was processing her own trauma. She had no idea who might want to hurt her parents, but she also understood something. Her parents likely made some enemies, and dangerous ones at that. At that point, investigators looked into Bud and Melanie themselves. Their idyllic love story upon examination was not so innocent. Bud was a former strip club owner turned used car dealer who was once sentenced to probation for an adoption scam. In 1990, he and his second wife, Cindy Reeve, pled no contest to charges that they doctored birth records on their children and tried to obtain a newborn for $2,100. Bud Billings frequently crossed paths with, quote, shady characters, often getting entangled in bad deals and scams. And the way that Bud and Melanie met initially was not as cute as everyone seemed. Though their love story, again, was a meeting through friends on Christmas Other people say that Bud met Melanie when she worked at his strip club as a waitress. When the two were eventually married, Bud hadn't been divorced for more than four months from his second wife. Despite being outward, upstanding citizens, investigators realized that the Billings' success was built on their less-than-Christian values and more on some less-than-Christian opportunities that came along their path. Ashley Billings, meanwhile, gave the police the name of someone who might be of interest, a man named Henry Tice. She said that her father had lent money to Tice— money Bud never saw again. The two hated each other and had gotten into many a fight throughout the years. Police wasted no time interviewing Tice, who swore that he had nothing to do with a double homicide, nor was there anything to connect him to the murder scene. But Tice was no stranger to criminality. He had been busted for illegally selling cars in Mexico to repay a mafia debt. A month later, Tice was arrested for grand theft auto. In fact, upon questioning, he was being housed in a local jail on those charges. If he had killed the Billings... It was from afar, and with lots of help. In the meantime, the media was all over the double homicide, and tips came rolling in. One from a person who recognized the red van. She said her neighbor owned one that looked exactly like it. On July 11th, two days after the murder, detectives visited the address in the tip. But the person in the address had no van. He had recently sold it to a man named Leonard Gonzalez Jr., Police looked into Gonzalez and learned that he was a martial arts instructor who was struggling to survive and care for his six sons. Of course, police then headed to Gonzalez's home, and they see a red van peeking out from behind a shed. Police sensed something bigger was going on. They decided to keep investigating before making any arrests, conducting hundreds of interviews with family and associates of both the Billings and of Gonzalez. From these interviews, they learned Gonzalez was a former National Guard member and martial arts enthusiast specializing in self-defense classes for women and children. His connection to the Billings became clear. Bud Billings once donated $5,000 to fundraise Gonzalez's new karate school, a school that had since gone under. It gave police a motive. Gonzalez knew Bud Billings had money. It also explained the bizarre karate uniforms used cleverly to disguise the identity of Gonzalez and at least five others. Patrick Gonzalez, who was formerly known as Pat Poth, had actually given karate lessons back in the 1980s to the chief deputy who questioned and then arrested him. During the course of the interview, Gonzalez denied any involvement in the Billings murders. However, he did tell the investigator that he was involved in something, quote, very deep and that he and his family were in danger. He said that he had been used in the past by several Pensacola car dealers to, quote, whack folks. Gonzalez had also been linked to Tice, After he was arrested, Tice said on camera that he knew he would be the obvious person that law enforcement would investigate if anything happened to Bud Billings, but he would never, ever harm him. According to reports, Tice had even called Gonzalez the night of the murders, between 7 and 7.30 p.m., around the actual time of the murders, to get help with an email problem. Gonzalez didn't answer, but he did call Tice back the next day. Tice said he told Gonzalez that he already had taken care of the email problem, but thanked him for calling and the two casually caught up, Tice was never arrested for any involvement in the murder of Bud or Melanie Billings. In total, seven men were charged with first degree and home invasion robbery, including a man whose power washing company did work at the Billings' home and Gonzalez's own father, who drove the getaway car. An eighth suspect, a hand real estate agent, was charged with being an accessory after the fact when authorities found the stolen safe in her backyard and a 9 millimeter shotgun in her car. The suspects again, bizarrely, were a large group of people ranging from age 16 to 56, and all of them had been put through varying stages of a bizarre kind of karate boot camp, training them for 30 days in preparation for the break-in. At the trial, prosecutors convinced jurors that greed, along with his failing karate business and familial responsibility, motivated Gonzalez to rob the billings. The billings were rumored to have nearly 13 million stored away at their home, leading Gonzalez to solicit eight other people to participate in the fatal home invasion. But the couple's own public persona proved to be their downfall, and in some ways their salvation. The ample security footage and the years of MySpace media became the key pieces of evidence that characterized the crime and eventually convicted the killers. Leonard Patrick Gonzalez Jr. was convicted of two death penalties for two counts of first-degree murder and a life sentence for one count of home invasion robbery with a firearm. Gonzalez's right-hand man named Donnie Stallworth was convicted of two consecutive life sentences for two counts of first-degree murder, a lengthy prison sentence for one count of home invasion robbery with a firearm. Two of the other assailants and the the back-of-the-house getaway driver took a plea deal and received 40 years each. Gonzalez's father, Leonard Patrick Gonzalez Sr., the the front-of-the-house getaway driver, also took a plea agreement and received a a 17-and-a-half-year sentence For two counts of second-degree murder and a concurrent 17-and-a-half-year sentence for one count of home invasion robbery with a firearm. Real estate agent Pamela Long Wiggins, who had helped buy the van and was in possession of the stolen safe, received a 28-year sentence and two 12-year sentences for two counts of accessory after the fact to a felony. And that is the story of the bizarre, complicated, and tragic murder of Bud and Melanie Billings.